Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Report. I'm your host, Chris Long, and today we're diving deep into the intriguing world of local politics and personal journeys. In this episode, we have an exclusive interview with the fascinating figure, Mr. Orman Hook. From his unique name to a childhood in Maine, Orman's story is as compelling as it is unconventional. He takes us through his journey from a humble two-room schoolhouse to becoming the principal of Crossroads Academy and then into the waters of Michigan's political scene. But that's not all. So buckle up for part one, filled with intriguing tales, eye-opening revelations, and a deep dive into complexities of the local affairs that have gone unnoticed. So here we go. I'm setting my own clock. Communist Party of China. Red flags are everywhere. We will be held accountable. We're not Chinese-owned. They are not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Oh, this is not a dumb deal. If the door is that way. Thank the board. For bringing us together. And now the act you've all been waiting for. Professional picketers. And if you don't like it, there's the door. So today I have Mr. Ormond Hook. Some call him Mr. Dark Money, the Dark Money Man. Obviously, the dark money thing's a joke. Okay, <laughs> the opposition needs something to talk about, so we'll give them that. Whatever. Anyway, there's no dark money. So, Ormond, first off, where does the name Ormond come from? I'm the only Ormond hook in America. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> if you go on the, if you do a Google search, I'm the only person that comes up, so it made it easy when I was running for state representative to yeah, easy to definitely. find me. But my mom had a cousin. And when my cousin was about 12 years old, he was in an accident. He was carrying a ladder. He was between the rungs, and the person in the back tripped and jammed the, that ladder rung into his kidney area, and he had a kidney infection, and eventually he died. Oh, my so gosh. So my mom was going to name me Richard, and this was 1947, just the uh, beginning of the baby boom. She was in the hospital. There were 12 boys born at that time. Seven of them were named Richard. So my mom said, well, we're going to switch. <laughs> so she picked the name of her cousin. Uh, where are you originally from? Are you from the Big Rapids area? No, I'm originally from Maine. I was born in the center of Way Maine. Way up there. Why would you go up there? <laughs> well, that's where we came from. Stephen King, right? Yeah, and uh, my dad cut pulpwood. He was a sharecropper. We lived in a shack, went to a two-room schoolhouse, did that until I was nine years old. And then my dad got hurt uh, cutting wood. He, he didn't have like an injury, didn't have a tree fall on him, uh, but I think his back just wore out. Mm. And uh, so he couldn't move for several months. And when he was able to, to get around, then he found a job in, in New York, mm. uh, about 90 miles uh, north of New York City. And he moved away, and this was like right after Christmas. And then he came back at uh, Easter break and uh, visited us. And then he came back again at the beginning of June, and we moved to New York State. Uh, so I entered civilization, went to a big school, uh, more than two rooms. <laughs> kind of broke that Appalachian lifestyle, yeah. at least... Well, so how did you get, end up in Big Rapids, though? Uh, at what point? Well, when did you move here? Well, the Air Force brought me here in 1971... Uh, to Michigan? Yep. Okay. And I, they stationed me up at Kinchel Air Force Base in the UP, drove across the bridge, late September, dark, dreary, drizzly day, all cloudy, driving north, and all I see is this swampland with uh, 
trees that you know not maple trees and yeah. oak trees just scrub scrub trees and at any moment i expected a, a moose or a bear to be in the <laughs> road <laughs> i was a little bit freaked out yeah <laughs> uh so then i went to to, to sault saint marie and control air force base was right near there so correct me if i'm wrong but a long time ago you were the principal of Crossroads Academy here in Big Rapids. Yes, I was the first principal of Crossroads Academy. That was uh, the fall of 1998. We started, they hired me June 1st, and by September we had almost 400 students. So you were the first principal? I was the first principal. Oh, wow. Uh, we, built this, we built a boat and sailed it all at the same time. <laughs> Terry, your wife. Also worked at Crossroads. Yeah, she was a secretary. And so you met your wife there. Yeah, met my wife there. Mm. But the Air Force brought me here, and I was in this, the central Michigan area. And one of my assignments back in the 70s was uh, Macosta Osceola Intermediate School District as a school psychologist. I left, uh, became a school administrator for about 18 years in different places, and then came back to this area at that time. So I've been here uh, continuously since 1998. When did you get first involved with politics? Well, I remember in third grade, General Eisenhower was running for president. The only thing I remember was somebody had a button that said, I like Ike. That was, <laughs> that was his campaign slogan. Yep. Uh, but I always was interested in history, always interested in geography and places. I remember that very distinctly the Kennedy-Nixon debates in 1960. Watched those first televised presidential campaign debate yep. ever, yep. but I've always been interested. I've always been interested in world affairs and national affairs over even local affairs. Mm. I remember listening to Barry Goldwater give his his acceptance speech at the 1964 nominating convention in Arizona and uh, li- driving in the car with my family, listening, had my family <laughs> turn the radio on and listen yeah. to that. But I've just always been interested because it's about ideas. Yeah. It's kind of like a war of ideas. Yeah. And that just has always fascinated me. So a few years ago, you ran. I, I ran for the Michigan House of Representatives for the same position that uh, Tom Koontz now has. Huh. I, I thought you ran against Hoedinger. I, I ran against Michelle Hoedinger. But they've changed the districts. But I just oh. use Tom Koontz as a reference because people may be more familiar with his name right now. I see. Um, I worked very, very hard. It was tough. I lost. Yeah. And when was that? That was 2016. Mm. I'm glad I lost. I feel bad that I may have let people down in the sense that uh, I didn't win. What to- is the biggest thing that you've learned from that experience? Well, I learned about campaigning. And everything we did this summer with getting those petitions signed, going door to door, collecting information, learning how to do mailers, uh, helping the candidates, help them with where they would go, mapping out their, their, their campaign. So what I learned then, I'm applying now. And, uh, you know, this is we're started with Big Rapids Township and Green Township, and then we're on to the next level. What is the next level? Well, for me, the next level is the county commissioners because I feel our county should be like a fortress. It should be a stronghold. The commissioners and other elected folks should be like on guard duty protecting us. Yeah. And they've let us down. Definitely. They, They have not paid attention to all the lies that they were told. They've not done. And then when we told them the truth, did they listen? 
they don't even want to listen. I, you know, as a psychologist for like 50 years, Oh, yeah, we didn't even touch on that. uh, (laughs) You know, I should have some insight into human behavior, but I have no idea why people's eyes are just completely glazed over and their ears are plugged when you can show them the exact proof by documents yep. from Goshen, Goshen Incorporated, any other place, their stockholders meeting, their annual report. Yep. Uh, we don't want to know anything. Yeah, and they don't care. I cannot there's some even comprehend that. Yeah, there's some commissioners that will even say that they don't even care what company it is as long as they bring jobs or they're for it. A lot of problems with that statement in the sense that, well, there aren't going to be 2,300 jobs a lot of it's going to turn into robotics. They keep downsizing the workforce. Yep. They downsize the side of the size of the operation, the size of their buildings. Uh, who even knows what they're going to make? They've changed that a couple of times. Yeah, no, it started out being cathodes and anodes, or I actually think it was originally the full battery, and then it turned into cathodes and anodes. And then now it's only one of those two. I don't remember which one, but one of them needs less water, and that's why... Fred Gunther is a little uh, ticked, I've heard, <laughs> that uh, they they only want 20000 instead of the, almost the million that Big Rapid City would be selling them. Gallons. Uh, but the jobs, we have, there are jobs vacant all over the place. There's jobs vacant all over the state, all over the country. And I really struggled for a while trying to figure out why that was until I learned that, well, for about every three senior citizens, people my age... As they retire, there's only like one person coming along to replace them in the workforce. Yeah. There aren't workers. Yeah. There aren't and my workers. my generation don't want to work in a manufacturing plant. It's <laughs> your guys' generation. Well, younger <laughs> yeah. than you, but yeah, yeah it's, it's the older generation. So They're- we have empty jobs, uh, jobs that will pay just as much as Goshen supposedly is going to pay, and that target keeps changing. People travel out of the county to work. People travel here to I think work. most of the, the Ferris uh, professors <laughs> yeah. actually drive in. At least that's what yeah. I've heard. A lot of them live like down in Rockford. They yeah. live in a community that more fits their uh, temperament yeah. or their cultural background. And they drive up here into pl- to where the peasants live and, and <laughs> teach. <laughs> and I am the chief peasant, okay? <laughs> I lived on a back road, a mountain road, the last house, the last farmhouse, which a few years after we moved away just collapsed on itself. Oh, my okay, gosh. That's how much of a shack we lived in. <laughs> but So I'm the chief of the peasants, the chief of the uh, rednecks. Are you a professional protester like uh, uh, Gerilyn Strong says you are? Uh, I haven't received any checks. I am from here. I must be good at it if they're calling me a pro. Are you Antifa? Uh, no. <laughs> you know... The, the attacks against the people who are just trying to live here and protect themselves are really foolish. And, and so far from the truth, I'm not even sure they believe the things they say. But they think that, well, maybe this is going to get some traction. Do you think that they're being told basically what to say? Do you th- really think that these commissioners truly believe what they're saying? Or are they just trying to fit the narrative that they're told? Like... I remember them saying at the Senate meeting that the whole county is for this or they haven't talked to a single person that isn't for this and everybody wants it. Who's telling them this? I believe that 
that is it that, an echo chamber I situation? Believe, I believe that at their level, it is an echo chamber. I do not believe Geraldine Strong, the chair of the county commission, even wrote her speech. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that that was written for her, <laughs> uh, and maybe in her office room that she has in her commissioner room, everybody's singing and dancing and, and excited. That all of this is going to happen, uh, but in real people, real people aren't for this. We intuitively know that communism is bad. We intuitively know that America's enemy. It defeats why we moved up here. A lot of us who didn't come from the area. Why would, you know, we want to get away from everybody's retiring and moving up here. There's so many people. This is where you retire and vacation. Yes. yes. And uh, again, it goes back to earlier. We talked about how sort of dense that the information isn't getting into them. Well, they're not thinking, they're not reasoning, they're not researching anything, they don't... There's a reason Doubting Thomas was doubting. Okay, he, he said, show me the proof. Well, you know, where's the beef? They they just can't even ask that question, uh, which, again, as a psychologist, <laughs> I'm not even sure where that sense of denseness even comes from. So on uh, December 12th, 2023... There was a township meeting. Uh, the room was full, as usual. You were there. I was there. Uh, so what was your perspective? On, on, let's, let's first talk about the first part of the meeting. What was your perspective? Uh, one, of the, one of the very distinctive differences in Green and the Big Rapids Township with the new leadership, the tension is gone. The people at the board sitting at the, at the tables leading have conversation, they deal with the public. My sense of the meeting was... The tone is completely different. The tone is so different. Just to be a slightly critical, I thought, like, I'm kind of antsy. I want things to move. I want action, <laughs> action, 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 action. Um, but many things were covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, mundane things, until they got to the exciting parts. Yeah. Uh, did you see that Chuck Thalen was actually at the township meeting. He wasn't even at a meeting since May, was he? Correct, correct. He hasn't been here. (laughs) He hasn't been the most friendly (laughs) place to to show up, and uh, probably for health reasons he decided not to. What was he wearing? Well, he he had camo on. Did he have a baseball cap on, I think he had a a baseball baseball cap on. And some camo, trying to, like, when he gave his big speech back in uh, May, he was trying to tell everybody what a great Boy Scout he was, how he had hunting property, and he did this, and they just, a good old boy trying to... Trying to to fit in. Trying trying to to fit in and and make it look like he's not bringing in a a foreign business into our our community. I actually have that clip of him saying that he's just basically one of us. Here's that clip. I call myself the redneck behind the chair, yes. Because yes, I have a title, yes, I have a big job, but on the weekends I'm riding my tractor, just like a number of you folks. Well, the important thing is you don't even... You don't even have to say that. We can just look at each other and kind of know how we fit in and such. It, it was just awkward, but it was good they didn't say anything. I know some folks were yeah, he didn't ready even to speak oh, if yes. anything had been said. Yeah, And uh, I don't think he... Do you think he should have spoke? No, I don't think so. That, that would have been gasoline on a fire. Probably. So towards the end of the meeting, there was some spiciness that happened uh, with the internet company or the internet provider to the township and the IT services. So just just so that we can give some background to the, our listeners who don't really know the full information, 
Green Township works with this company, provides them internet and IT services, and also sells internet to the township and has uh, all their equipment on the towers, and also is renting space from the basement of the township hall. And so what happened last night? Well, the, the board took two actions. The first one is that they severed the uh, business relationship with the IT provider. They're supposed to help with the copy machines, the printers, the, uh, uh, the computers, the, the uh, email, the, the phone service. Uh, whenever they break or don't work properly, they are supposed to fix them. They're supposed to be providing some security firewalls for cyber attacks or whatever. They severed that agreement. The second action that took place was the township building itself now is going to have its own secure internet connection and doesn't have to come through the uh, mystery business so that the township, the new township board, is trying to set up safety and security for its operations. We're not really sure about the safety and security prior to this point. We know that there's been some fiddling uh, with actions that have been business actions, computer actions, email actions in the last month. Uh, So they're trying to sever that and get it all clean so that the people uh, can rest assured that they're going to get safe and secure business procedures. Yesterday was actually six years uh, to the day to the first township hall meeting that I ever went to when I first moved up here. And what I observed at that first meeting, it was about this IT evaluation, this company presenting to the board. They were talking about, oh, we, well, we basically kind of need to um, get a, a foothold, a baseline of where we are. And because six years ago, this was right after Bob Baldwin died, the previous supervisor, and Chapman had just gotten in, in, uh, in the supervisor role as the uh, replacement, because uh, the, the term, the election term wasn't um, up yet. And so six years ago, they were looking into IT in general of, of buying these new things and, and evaluating where they got. And then now, six years later, we're basically doing the reset and getting rid of the company that I saw. And I even mentioned it at the meeting. I said, what are you talking about in IT evaluation uh, for uh, $1,200 or something like that. It was like some absurd amount. And Ross Meads was right there. He also said it too. We wanted to see what was on this this quote. It was an IT quote. And Jim would not tell us, would not show us. He said, oh, you have to FOIA that. Why do I have to FOIA it? It's, It's everybody on the boards looking at it right now. Why do I have to FOIA something you're discussing and voting on giving $1,200, $1,300, $1,400? I don't remember exactly what it was. But but the, the point is, is what I heard from that company gave me red flags. Red flags are everywhere. Red flags were everywhere uh, based on what uh, that company was saying. I could tell that they were, they didn't know what they were saying or what, what really I could tell was that company was taking advantage of the board, their, their knowledge of technology or lack of knowledge of technology and, and the company was more or less using buzzwords or, 
uh, words that make them sound uh, trustworthy and know what that they know what they're talking about. And, and it and it didn't fool me, and it didn't fool Ross Meads. And, and the reason it didn't fool you guys, because I know you and I know Ross Meads, you have a supreme background in technology. Yeah. But the board members who pride themselves and being in office for decades, and I'm I'm older, okay? I'm 76 years old. You can you can fool me on all this new technology. So if you're talking to a, a group of board members who are senior citizens, they're not up on all this new language. It's no wonder they were able to just come in oh, yeah. and fool with, with fancy words. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you know, I do kind of know what a flux capacitor is, but the rest of this I really am not into. Yeah, yeah. And they and they trusted him. And and I can't tell, uh, based on the history of everything that's gone on, again, we'll talk about that in a later episode, but essentially some th- things occurred during 2015, and it, and it made the board uh, think of that company as the hero. And so uh, since then... He's basically got everything regarding anything technology, whether it's cameras or servers or firewall, this or uh, updating the computer or and doing this over and over over every month. There's something going out to him. Okay, I don't know how how much money would you say that the old board were handing out to that company every month? I know in the last two and a half years. We FOIA'd all of their financial statements. There was over $220,000. That's by one figure. Depending on how many invoices you put in there, up to like $248,000 given to this company over two and one half years. Uh, that's taxpayer money. Yep. That's the residents paying their taxes, yep. give it, being given to this private company to do whatever their magic is. That was just given away. And I looked into this company and and I talked to some people. I actually talked to some of their customers. And and the thing that I found is on Michigan Lara, the the spell that L-A-R-A, that it's the corporation search uh, for the state of Michigan. Any any company you want to look into, you can just search that company. It will it will give you their their reporting for the year of who's the directors, where they're located, things like that. And what I noticed was that the location that is for uh, Lara does not match what is on the invoices uh, that that company is telling their customers to send the checks to. Or just in general, the invoices for the, the their service. It was actually appalling what that address is. A sub- federally subsidized housing that has... Lots of restrictions and requirements for who is eligible to live there. A friend of mine is actually researching that right now, and he's real sure that you cannot run a business out of a federally subsidized home. Yes. And uh, he's working on that, getting some background information from the main office, like down in Grand Rapids. Yep. It's smoke and mirrors, more like Goshen. Smoke and mirrors that everywhere. That seems to be a common pattern, that these... Things are going on in the in the background, and a lot of people don't know or or can't even believe. I've talked to some people. I talked to people six years ago, and they they were like, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal." They don't they don't comprehend it. And now things are coming out, and they're seeing, "Oh, there's definitely something going on. What's going on?" Type situation. For me personally, the thing that's 
I mean, all of this is bad, and I know a lot of information that we're going to get into. Uh, this is really bad. But even bigger than this, like I said, in the last two and a half years, over $220,000 of taxpayer just the, last two years. just the last two and a half years has been paid to this company to provide a service. Yeah. It's like a supposedly a business investment. And according to their contract, their management agreement. Yeah, I, I think we have that management agreement. We Actually, have yes, that. we do. <laughs> and uh, on page uh, two of that, let me oh, just one second. Let me get turn. That. There's three towers in the ca- in the area. Three that, or four? Three. Okay. Well, there's technically four okay. if you count the one on the township's okay. property okay. The, behind the hall. One to the north, one to the south, one right there, a 22 mile Boy Scout camp, and then the tower behind the township hall. Uh, but the maintenance and management agreement, let's talk about that. So it says, so we've paid them nearly, uh, the people of Green Township has paid them nearly a, a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. In, in the last three years, if yep. we, it will definitely be up there to a quarter of a million. That investment is supposed to have a return to the citizens of 30% of the revenue Yep, right there on page two, section seven. That that management company makes. Manager will pay to the owner, Green Township, manager being the the company. So manager will pay to the owner 30% of the gross lease revenues received by the manager from a third-party communication tower lease agreements. And I went through two and a half years of monthly financials. They that was a FOIA request. We got that. Not one penny of that thirty percent has ever ever returned to the taxpayers who live in Green Township. Now, to me, just from a a political personal level, that's the most egregious behavior imaginable. Right. What's interesting, though is, uh, from my knowledge, there is no other company on that tower. So you wouldn't have to pay the 30% because there's no other uh, company. But here's where it gets complicated. The person who is the manager and is the maintenance provider to the township in this management agreement is also the person that is uh, uh, selling internet and using space on that tower. So he's basically getting... uh, to use, rent space on that tower. He's not renting it because he's not paying. He's using space on that tower for free because there's no other company. So he's just using township infrastructure for free. And making a good living out of it, I guess. Now, there was <laughs> another company on there, um, and that used to be Skyweb uh, back in, well, it was from when I was up here, um, 2016, to I think 2020, they they left the area. They ran away from the area. They were another company on there. While he was the maintenance and management provider, he he collected all the money that Skyweb, the other company, was paying to rent space on that tower. He personally, or that company personally, collected that revenue for renting space on that tower, and none of it went back to the township. That 30% did not go back to the township. It's not a good invest. I mean, this is like about as bad as uh, having a CD in your bank. <laughs> it pays 0.000%. You know, yeah. you get seven cents a quarter. <laughs> I, they, they don't even get anything. What have they gotten back? <laughs> Nothing. And and you're making somebody rich 
it, it just seems so weird that he's the only other company on the tower and he gets to, he's the only company on the tower and he is the maintenance and manager of the township equipment and he receives the revenue from his customers. He gets to keep it. Uh, it, it basically, it, what it appears as though this is a, a township provided internet but ran through a private company because it's literally using township equipment. The largest capital expenses is the towers. That should really infuriate people. Yeah. And it does, actually, as they slowly learn about this. It is uh, complicated. I know I had to be driven around the township and shown these towers to sort of grasp that uh, concept of what this business was because it was just like an invisible business, but collecting a lot of money from the taxpayers to do something. The business has gone by many different names. It's always the same people, though. They've had like three, four, five different names uh, in the last they've uh, had a significant, 13 well, years or whatever. Well, it originally started out as Tucker Communications. And then Kevin, Kevin Tucker, lost his business to one of these individuals or a group of these individuals. And then the company became ATIS. Then that got destroyed because it was poorly managed because they and then they sold ATIS to Skyweb in Saginaw. And while in Saginaw, that company bought the ATIS, a certain individuals went behind their back and created this ISI and maintenance and management agreement, basically trying to control what ATIS was doing because the, the management was agreement was created right before they sold the uh the Skyweb company. It was basically this: this uh, one person's doing something in the left hand, and the right hand's going behind and trying to set up these this this kingdom. So he's always in control of the tower. And this, the thought that strikes me is: I mean, there are people, there are companies, there are takeovers, but yet the people in Green Township should be looking to their board to oversee all of this to make sure that. All of their investment is being carefully followed, carefully guided. Uh, we're getting a hundred cents per dollar of value for everything they do. Yeah. So some of these details are exciting to us. But peop- who's watching? Who's watching the hen house? Yeah, no, that's exactly the situation. The fox is in the hen house, controls the hen house, and he takes all the eggs. That's essentially what it is. And and the other fox. From the township, they're kind of like they've got an egg collecting business going on. It's either that or or there's a rooster. They're the rooster, and we're the chickens laying the eggs. The fox is taking them, and the rooster's just doing nothing. (laughs) Not only do they have this maintenance and management agreement for managing the tower, they also have this commercial lease agreement. For renting the basement or a room in the basement of the township hall. What does that cost them? Well, based on the agreement, it's free. It's a barter agreement. A barter agreement with a government entity is not allowed, at least nowhere that I've found. I've talked to a few lawyers about this over the last six years, and all of them have said 
That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I can I go to Big Rapid City and and ask to rent out the? Do they even have a basement? Anyway, let's pretend they had a basement. Do you think that Mark Gifford or or uh, Fred, Fred Gunther. Gunther would would allow me to rent out a room just not, to use it? Not for free, right? Well, I don't think he would allow it at all. You can't have a oh, private not permanently. Yeah, I don't think that that I can rent space to run my business out of government. A facility. I'm sure there are a lot of red tape that you'd have to go through if if it was even proper. So it's not it's not something that it's not just a uh, a token that you can give away f- of appreciation for, for free. Yeah. So so what do they have to? So for so this this is what the commercial lease agreement uh, right on page one under section three rent and consideration. In lieu of monthly rental payments, tenant shall provide to the landlord, Green Charter Township, a a Wi-Fi a hotspot with filters open to the public. And that's B, a, that's like a one-time investment. Yep, that's just the 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 router, um, and then a five up or five down one up uh, megabyte of uh, bandwidth to the township. So and basically, to, and to me that that's that's, that's gibberish. That's, that's shit. But in today's that, world, that's that, terrible. Uh, what would that cost you if you had to buy it from Spectrum or I, something? They, they don't even sell that plan anymore. Okay, it's so small. Yes. Okay. That, that, this this is, it, I would say that's even small for the that, that year that was in 2015 that they created this. And then C, firewall software, when and if needed for security, and does not include firewall hardware if needed. So almost nothing is given. And we, yeah, and and the security is uh, in question. And this barter agreement violates all kinds of IRS regulations. It doesn't mean that you don't have to pay any taxes. No, you still have to fill out all the forms. And the township has to provide a 1099B to the internet company so that they can file it with their taxes. The township has never done that. So there's, you know... The taxes on that quarter of a million dollars has uh, never had to have been paid. Yeah. So it this we got to find out. We got to FOIA and find out if if the treasurer of the township has ever released a or or scheduled a a uh, well this, tax invoice this to that summer company. this summer um, for the barter agreement this summer the township supervisor I believe it was in the July meeting made a preemptive statement that says we have a barter agreement and the purpose for that is is so that nobody has to pay any income tax. He, that he said that was a that? statement. It's on it's on video and in 2000 in January of 2000 the IRS they people used this barter agreement maybe 30 or 40 years ago as a way of sort of trying to get away from paying federal taxes. Yeah. Uh, but you but you can't and they verified that again in January of 2000, I looked this boring stuff up, <laughs> that you still have to give the other company. You and I could have a barter agreement to shovel my driveway, yeah. but I have to give you paperwork that you show on your taxes yeah. Yeah. and this quarter of a million dollars. No, we don't do that because we don't want to have to pay any taxes. Yeah. The 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 more and more we've, we've dug into this, the more and more we've learned. And that's one of the reasons I believe that the township board fought so hard to 
keep their seats because not only were they protecting uh, the Goshen thing, the invite to Goshen. Uh, I think they were trying to hop. all of this onion yes, here that yeah. we keep peeling the the skin off. Uh, they were protecting that, and we even saw at the board meeting one of the holdovers got very very antsy and very uptight. The board started talking about a forensic audit yes. because a forensic audit will locate a lot of this information. Yes, um, and that's another reason why I think. They fought so hard, especially the supervisor, to keep this from coming to light. Yeah, I mean, I was questioning the supervisor on this whole thing uh, six years ago. And he, he saw nothing wrong with the commercial lease agreement. He saw nothing wrong with the management agreement. And he thought it was all fine. He thought it was all, all good and dandy. And, and he's like, well, we're providing Internet to the township people. You Sounds are. Green great. Township Sounds is doing great. that? Sounds great. And I think at any time you have agreements like that, uh, that's just on a handshake, where's all, where are all these profits or whatever recorded? Nowhere. Right. Nowhere. So I'm sure there's some profit sharing somewhere. That's just my opinion. personal yeah. opinion. This, this we call collaborating evidence. They are not going to stop. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop until they uncover every lie, every deception, every legal, every web, every immoral action. They are not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Thank the board for bringing us together.